Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a crowd podcast. Welcome back to the French Football Podcast with me, Tim Groves, former Claremont and France soccer, Benjamin Kayser and ex-Bayon Montpellier and Casback Road, Johnny Beattie. We'll have a look back at the semi-finals in the top 14 shortly and have a chat with someone who was involved in one of them and we'll preview the top 14 final as well. But how are you two doing before we get into that? Because it was Father's Day at the weekend, wasn't it? So did you have a good day? <laughs> ben, you looked shot. Was it not Father's Day? <laughs> I was I was just being being gentle enough to say that when the man's got three kids, you know, you're sure you should be the one who's more of a father than I am. It makes those long, boring nights of waking up a thousand times, <laughs> you know, feeling tired the next morning. And then you just get a cute little card, most definitely a sort of a painted handprint, you know, all that stuff. And then your heart melts and you're like, yeah, that's that's beautiful. How long did that feeling last for? Like two hours later, it's back to carnage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was the exact same as so I got back down from Paris Sunday. They all picked me up from the train station. I think they do in school, like with maîtresse, with their teacher, they do like handprints and face prints and portraits of some drawings that did not look like me, but they were me apparently. Um, <laughs> and all in French, which is quite cool. So like bon fed papa and nice pair of new socks from the youngest one, Finn, seven months old, getting me socks, <laughs> setting a stall out early. Um, so no, it was cool. It was good fun. But as I said, three hours later, it's forgotten. That warm, fuzzy feeling is gone. And you are back to the carnage. What about you, Tim? We went to the farm park, looked at some goats, Johnny. That was about as good as it got. That and <laughs> ice cream. That's what we did. I got straight back and went to the zoo as well. So there you go. The same. Imagine those poor goats who had to look at you for the same. <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny, presumably you were back in dab mode because you'd been off for the rest of the weekend working. So Yeah, that's the strange bit is you sort of go away and get a little bit of a holiday. But obviously the game's finished late. You then have to get up at six in the morning and get the train back down. So you're absolutely shagged by the time you get back. But they haven't seen you for three days, so they don't care. And neither does my missus because she's obviously here by herself and needs all the help she can get with no grandparents or anything around. So no, you're straight back. Back to the zoo. Ice cream's for us as well. Feeding the goats popcorn. The llamas popcorn. Flamingo's not allowed to give them popcorn. But no, it was good. It was good fun. We've got a new sponsor on board, haven't we, Benji? 
We do, mate. We do. Listen, uh, the French are known for their joie de vivre, obviously. Their, their <laughs> poetry, their wine, but massive about their food. But yeah, we've got something for everyone to cook as a Frenchman. So the meter is the world's first best wireless smart meat thermometer. My lamp shoulder has never tasted better. I can pretend that I'm like an absolute rock star. I can finally make my passport proud. And Johnny, you're cooking like a Frenchman now, aren't you? Are you using the meter? I enjoy cote de boeuf pretty much every weekend, which isn't easy to do. So look, it removes all the faff out of it. When I have French families over, they can maybe judge me for being a British cook, but this sort of passes me off as a, as a French cook. I get it right every weekend now. So no, it's helping me in saving my bacon on my plancha at the weekend. Absolutely. It takes all the guesswork out of cooking, whether it's in the oven or in the barbecue. And if you want to bring your A game to the table this summer, like Johnny and Benji, you can get your hands on a meter with 10% off by using the code FrenchPod10 at meter.com. That's the code FrenchPod and the number 10 at meter.com. Raise the stakes with Meter and Le French Rugby Podcast. Hello, I'm Garrett Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And this is your official invite to come and join our brand new cycling club. Now, good news, it's a podcast too. So you can come and listen to us, try and build this club from scratch, and we'll have a few familiar faces joining us for the ride too. Right, G, time to tell everyone what we've called this club. Well, we thought long and hard about this, so we come up with a strong original name that really stands out. The Garen Thomas Cycling Club. Yeah, I suppose it's easy to remember at least, isn't it? We will have new episodes for you every single Tuesday. Come and join us. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So let's have a look at those semifinals then, Johnny. You were in Paris for them, even yeah. though they were in Lille, but you were, you were working on them. <laughs> Strangely, yeah. So what did you make of them overall? I thought three teams were phenomenal. One team almost looked like they showed up for a kick around at the park and didn't quite get it right at all and got it really badly wrong. But otherwise, Toulouse, Bordeaux, La Rochelle, what an advert for French rugby. The sort of the tempo, the... 
the physicality, the brutality for for most of it, and also how they set about and they wanted to play just incredible games of rugby, really, by three teams. Um, and any one of them could have been finalist. The real disappointment would be for Racing 92, who just did not get it right mentally. And you could see even, you could see even at halftime, you could see Traver going absolutely bananas in the in the change room, trying to get them to change their mentality and the way they played, and they still didn't react, uh, and it just came apart. But generally, three teams that were phenomenal. Why do you think that was with with Racing Benji? Because we've seen them; they've come so close in the Champions Cup in the last five seasons or so. Top fourteen, they've reached a load of semi-finals, but not quite got there apart from twenty sixteen. So, is there just a final piece of the jigsaw missing for them? Well, let's not forget that um, if if you re- rewind the clock a little bit, the duo of Laurent Labitte, Laurent Travers, who's been um, this partnership coaching that's been probably the, the most successful partnership in terms of coaching in French rugby uh, through Montauban and Castres and then racing and stuff has been split uh, last year Laurent Labitte joining the, joining the French uh, coaching system and we, there was always a question of how is Laurent Travers going to adjust you know how are they going to pick up the pieces and then readjust and then go again I think racing is still there right that Johnny's right on that particular game they seemed like they were nowhere the first half against that Francais they put 35 points on them and you're thinking woof they are pretty lethal right once you have the the likes of Finn Russell and Vakatawa and now Gael Fiku and Teddy Thomas and, and all those kids they're pretty incredible but it's true that they just got overtaken by La Rochelle. And La Rochelle, when they're on, they just inspire so much brute force. They really remind me of Exeter. Freakish, Potentially eh? not, as, not, not as fast and not as uh, explosive as Bordeaux could be from time to time. Yeah, Toulouse are generally all the time. But they've got this rouleau compresseur. I don't know how that the mechanical sort of uh, tank sort of attitude about they're going to roll on you at some point. Relentless. Yeah, relentless sort of wave of power coming one after the other. And, and, and they're quite extraordinary at it. And when they get it right, they just suffocate you from the first to the last minute. And it was just a matter of never letting racing, you know, even breathe a t- tiny bit and showing that there was never even a, a close contest of saying, are they going to win or not? It was just by how many. Maybe the, the fact that Laurent Labitte isn't there. Maybe the fact that there's a new generation of players taking, you know, the lead. You talk about Teddy Bobini and Codingar and Boris Palou and all those kids who are mega talented, but it takes a bit of time, you know, to to take on from the older generation who was there before and, and performed uh, on and on and is probably renowned for its knowledge of top 14 playoff and all that. But then it's funny because after the game, Jackie Lorenzetti, who obviously is not... Um, doesn't keep his 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 sa langue dans sa poche. Oh, I'm speaking uh, <laughs> his tongue in his mouth in his pocket. I don't know yep. what you said. Whatever doesn't hold back words. Was like things has got to change. So he said that Laurent Travers was not going to be any of the issue. He's still the man and in, in power and all that. But he started putting back on the table that he reckons that maybe he went through a little bit of too much of a uh, too much of a stretch in terms of luxury where he put his 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 team and his players in such a comfortable arena. When you talk about the URNA, but I think he's especially talking about the training center, which is quite spoken about because the the, the team room, the eating room that they've got at it, it looks like a five-star hotel. It's it a is palace. stunning. It's stunning. It doesn't have any gold ornaments, whatever, but you really feel like you're in a modern, really chic, sort of mega, mega hyped first class airport lounge. You feel like you're going to a football complex. It's like, yes, what I imagine if I was going to Barcelona or Arsenal or Man City. Yeah. It's that level of standard. It's proper, proper cool. So all the boys are always there on big sofas and stuff. There's always, you know, few criticisms about really it's not great in terms of image and stuff. I don't believe in it, but he's trying to find any, 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 you know, excuse to say that's, that's why they're not doing well. So, Things are going to change. 
there is going to be, because usually he always backs his words with an action. Sometimes it's not the best ones, but I think he's that type of leader where somebody's got to die. Something's got to change. Somebody's going to get rumbled. Um, he's also made some pretty big statements in terms of players leaving, staying, whatever. They're going to looking for an extra lock. Listen, long story short, things will happen. Racing will be back next year. I don't think they're far off from being one of the top teams, but they just weren't there for this year. They're going through a little transition as well. And to be fair, they're one of the best teams. And again, it's come from nothing, but promoting through their academy and, and promoting youth. They've been phenomenal. Like look through the people that played at the weekend, Bobigny, Gomez, Sa. The depth of talent that they're generating and pushing through that academy is where the big change is. The thing for me at the weekend was it wasn't anything to do with the quality of the people or, or what they produced over the past few years was on the pitch. It was the decision-making and how they set out. It was the attitude. So it was almost like they, they thought they were at their home stadium. It's dry. And let's just go and try chip kicks out of a 22, play our way out. And they just completely unraveled. They, they just all, It was like they hadn't taken into account the fact that it was pissing with rain, <laughs> which is bizarre because like Finn's from Glasgow. Do you know what I mean? Finn Russell's played for Glasgow for eight, nine years, the same way I did. He grew up in that. He knows how to play those conditions. But as a team, they just didn't front up or they didn't try to play those conditions properly at all. It looked like the biggest brain fart on that sort of stage I've seen in a long, long time. And that's why it was so bizarre to watch because they've got the coaches, they've got the players in key positions. As the game went on and the bench came on, you could see they were short in a few. Their their scrum got absolutely pumped by La Rochelle. Like in terms of power, they got absolutely smashed. As soon as Bobigny went off and Kevin Le Guin came on, they couldn't win the line out again. He's really struggling with the throwing. It's like their set piece completely went, then their heads went and discipline went and all these things compounded and the game just ran away from them. I think then it was 19-6, but it could, have been, it could have been more. And La Rochelle were just dogged, pragmatic, played a simple territory game, squeezed Racing, put them under pressure and they absolutely exploded so really I think as a club they're, they're at the forefront of everything that's great about French rugby and, and what they've done the academy the infrastructure that they've got is a place you want to go and be part of yes it might be comfortable but it's a, it looks like an amazing place to work as well and I'd imagine they'd be challenged mentally by the coaching staff that they have every day that they don't seem like people that mess about either so like I don't think it's going to be massive changes from what he was saying, but it just in that game, they just got it completely wrong. And it was really bizarre to watch. And so given everything you've said about the two Laurents being separated, Benji, and that backline, you know, the names in it, Finn Russell, Fiku, Vakatawa, Teddy Toma, Kirtley Beale, and not being able to do anything. Obviously we praise John O'Gibbs and Ron Nogara as we always do with Lara Shell, but is, is that maybe an addition that we're going to see this summer for wrestling at another coaching addition? Potentially, yes, but you need somebody to be able to bring something to the, to the table. I, I really do feel that in my mind that it's like Johnny said, it's this young generation of players. There's also this back row who just got picked up by the French team, Diallo. He's amazing. Who everybody raves, raves about. And then Jordan Joseph, uh, who's, who's on, the, on the bench most of the time, but who's really got a lot of quality. These guys just need a bit of time. They need to get there. Let's not forget they're losing against La Rochelle. La Rochelle are shit hot. La Rochelle squeezed the life out of you because they're so intense and they know how to bring you there. La Rochelle had a beautifully organized uh, strategy against racing, probably uh, conducted and, and cooked up by Ronald Ogara. La Rochelle were driven by an hunger and a desire to beat them, most probably boosted by Brice Duland, the fullback, playing against his former club, who was desperate to beat them. 
give them a bit of time for once. Let's not be too French, uh, Mr. Jackie Lorenzetti. Um, you know, give them a bit of time to grow. And the success that you had six months ago saying, and Yannick Nyonga, when we had him on the show, you know, highlighting those number of guys that get picked up by the French team now that are from the area. Uh, you only mentioned a couple, but there's like 20 now in the 35-man squad that are from the area of Paris for the last six, seven it's years. Amazing. That's going to pay That's going to pay its dividends somewhere, somehow, in, very, in the very near future. And let's have a look at the other semi then. Toulouse beat Bordeaux. And how big a part did that red card play? And it was a horrible collision, wasn't it, on Roman Entomac? Was it as bad as Lavani Botti is in the Champions Cup final? Worse, Johnny? No, worse. Uh, worse in some respects, um, in that it was much quicker and it was a head-on-head. Um, but in terms of intent, way less. Like as an accidental head collision, it just... Look, it was a good read. That's the bad thing. It was a good defensive read by Soutini to rush up, shut down the play. But at the speed that he's come up, the intention to close down and almost shut down the pass as well and go ball and all, he's almost forgotten where... It looks like he's almost forgotten where to place his head because it's gone so quickly or he's forgotten that Roman Antimac's head is also there in play. And look, that's one of the worst collisions in terms of speed and intensity that I've seen on rugby pitch. It was horrible to watch live and just the way Roman Intermac fell as well, the way his head and neck and how quickly he was out. Um, so, so it was just amazing to see him after the game, like give the thumbs up. He was giving interviews after the game, which was a really encouraging sign. Obviously he's going to be nowhere near rugby pitch this week, but look, it was horrible. A horror collision. Did it have a massive impact on the game? I, I honestly felt that Bordeaux could have gone on even with that red card and they probably could have won the game. There's, there's a couple of decisions you can look at sort of five minutes to go they, they get a penalty right in front of the sticks where I thought Cheslin Colby could have been sinbinned as well for sort of cynical killing of the ball wasn't sinbinned and they decided to take the three points uh, at that stage there were six points behind and they had to lose under pressure at mall time at line time they're winning their ball they were all over them line time and I thought you know really that could be stick or bust but you know you've got 14 men you're a man down do you kick to the corner now and go for the win or do you have to come back in another two and a half minutes and try and get the territory again which we saw was so hard to win through the game because uh, both teams execute things so nicely and get another dab at three points which was hard to get so look I thought Bordeaux it was almost as if they announced they're here they're here to stay the way they play the game the way they go about their business the way they are as a squad led by Christophe Urios who like I've had as a coach he's great I think they're here for the sort of foreseeable you, you'll see them semi-final final time in the Champions Cup and top 14 over the next two, three seasons, which was the big positive. But ultimately, there wasn't that much between the two sides. The breakdown was ridiculous. Line-out was ridiculous. It almost couldn't get going because defensively, the players were so good, if that makes sense. So again, a really enjoyable game of rugby. Um, and Bordeaux, I think, will count themselves unlucky almost. And a bit different to the wrestling situation we've just spoken about, Benji, but Bordeaux and Christophe Urias must be maybe cursing their luck is a bit too strong, but that red card, obviously at that point in the game, when they just got themselves back into it, you go back to the champions cup and all the COVID distractions they had to deal with last season, they were leading the top four team when it was canned. They're close, aren't they? Hey, first qualification in uh, in their history, semi-final of Champions Cup, first qualification in the playoffs at all in top 14. Yes, they are hungry. Yes, they want more. Yes, there's no time to wait. And I agree with that. Uh, Christopher said it before the game. We're very hungry. We've got a big appetite. Ha ha ha, because he weighs 2,000 kgs. <laughs> and then it's there for the taking. We might as well. And I agree with that. There's no point of saying we're going to build over 10 years and this and this and that when you've got opportunity. And I think he, he had the, the taste of blood a little bit. Toulouse are massively um, at the end of the whatever they have left in the tank. 
You could tell yeah. they're 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 scrapping for everything. But remember, I said that to you guys. That's what the Toulouse boys were telling me before the challenge, the Champions Cup final against La Rochelle. They were already very very tight. Second rows were good, were falling over. Uh, they have no more tight heads. They have a couple of little injuries there that were complicated. They just plus Romain Tamac. We don't know how many second rows they're going to have. Jérôme Cano played lock uh, at the weekend. Um, they, they, they are in trouble. They definitely are in trouble. But there's only 80 minutes left. So you don't know what can go on. But to answer your question about Bordeaux, past the uh, the anger, the disappointment, the bitterness of being being so, so close, they will be very proud of what they've achieved, of the direction that they're taking, uh, of the dynamism of the whole entire club. Uh, the fact that finally this sort of two-year season came to an end. If you forget about last year where they were in the league, in the, in the lead, now you can realize that 24 months later, you've done a semi-final Champions Cup. It's never happened before. You've done a semi-final of... Of, of top 14 never had done before. They're going to keep relatively uh, sort of the, the entirety of their group for next year. They're only going to start building and they're finally going to have some public back, hallelujah, touch wood back in September and they're going to have 25,000 people uh, all there. So the dynamic is absolutely there. Uh, I, I actually believe, and it's not just to see sort of a glass half full, but if they'd won something this year, they, I could have easily see them fall off the, the cliff uh, now they, they're, they're going to stay hungry. They're going to get in there and they're going to realize that they're good. Yes, but they didn't lose just a semi. They lost the last game against Toulouse, where Toulouse had nothing to lose to, uh, for the last for the last game. <laughs> they, they've been they've been sloppy those last couple of weeks. Christophorus got angry. The players will little get angry. I remember Rémi Lamra, who never gets angry, saying that they were horseshit. Um, you know, so it's it's it, they're just not there. It's not just a one-off intercept try that you know makes you miss it last minute. It's not that. They got repeatedly beaten by teams and repeatedly knocked out. So it's 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 more than just a one-off game. And I think they'll realize that very, very quick. But definitely the future is bright in Bordeaux. Well, we can have a chat now with a man who played the final game of a long and illustrious career with Racing in the semifinals this weekend. It's France International back row Anthony Klaassen joins us. How are you? How's it guys? How's everyone doing? Thanks for the introduction. Nice to be here. Nice to see everyone. Nice to see you, Benji. Johnny. Tim. We are well, we are well. Um, obviously, you'd have loved to have bowed out in the final this weekend and the result didn't go the way you'd have wanted. But just talk us through the the emotions on Friday night. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, I think um, Lerichel just annihilated us. They were physically so so much more dominating than, than we were. They were more physical. They, they deserved their win. So we were not um, really up for the challenge of Friday evening. So, And personally, I think um, I thought my last game was, was against Breve and I thought that was me done for the season or for my career. And then um, obviously Otanga got injured and then got, got picked for the semi-final. So that was a bit of a, that was a nice shock to have. And obviously I wanted to end a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just the way it is. And um, we lost in the semi-final to, against a better team. Obviously your first club in France was Breve. Last club, Racing. I saw the game, you had one Breve sock on, one Racing sock on. Really good send-off. Talk us through exactly what the two clubs did for you and how enjoyable that was. I think I'm, I'm getting goosebumps as I think about it now. It's it's it's, it's very very special. I think um, me having arrived in France in 2007, unknown um, from South Africa, never really played any big rugby, and um, and uh, Brief gave me a chance to to play for them, and they 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 put, put, gave me some confidence. And after only a couple of months at the club, I became captain of the team, and I ended up staying five years. And it's a it's a team and a club that gave me so much and offered me so much for my um, over my time in France. I've got so much respect for that club, and I think Simon Gillem and myself, Simon Gillem is the um, Breeze president. 
we've always had a good relationship and we've, we've always kept in touch. And um, I just sent a message like, yeah, I got a good surprise for you. My last game it might be against Bree this weekend. And he's like, oh, that's brilliant. So I think we might have to do something special. So I think um, he got into contact with Jackie Lorenzetti and uh, the president of racing. And Jackie said, I've got a good idea. Why doesn't he play in two Bree socks? And someone was like, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. And um, and apparently it's you can't really do that because it's difficult for the refs to see who's in the <laughs> look at the sites and stuff. So um, I arrived um, at warm up, and uh, they told me you can play uh, one sock breathe, one sock racing. And so I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. This is really amazing and so special. So just just everything that went with it, and uh, it's it's really going to stay. It's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. And the socks did the trick, didn't they? Because didn't you knock over a kick at goal? I think. Um, I'm one of the only players, I'm not going to say the only, but I might be one of the only players in professional rugby that, that retires with 100% kicking rate. So take it. Look, I'm not going to lie, it was stressful as hell. It was right in front of the post, even though it was right in front of the sticks. I couldn't get the ball into the tee. It was like one of those tees I'm, I'm used to play. <laughs> I grew up like in, as, a, as, a, as a boy just placing sand and putting my ball on and kicking it like that. So they gave me one of these tees lying to the front. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't get the ball down. I'm starting to shake and stuff. So at least it was a front of the sticks, so I popped it over, so it was pretty cool. This whole thing was organized as, as a credit to, to the bloke that you are. Big smile on his face, always positive on the pitch and just gave it all out. So you can be maxi proud of that. I think the image of myself on the field is not always the same guy that's off the field. I mean, I'm pretty stubborn on the field and I, and I, I give 120%. I, I played the game to win and then I spoke to Donica Ryan actually during the week and um, we played one game. I can't remember if I was still a cast or if I was still racing. Anyway... We played against uh, against Munster, and he's like on the rack, and I was I was on the bench, and I came on the field, so obviously being frustrated and stuff, and skin was probably lying on the wrong side of the rack, and he just said I just punched him in the in the nuts or something. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, I really didn't mean that, but I mean it's it's, it's it, what happens on the field. I mean that's I give 100. percent I always play and I, I play for the jersey, I play to win, and and off the field I'm a lot more chilled and relaxed. And I mean I've been so privileged to have lived my passion and. And my dream for the past, especially 14 years in France. So I'm really, I'm so blessed and, and happy to have obviously accomplished and everything that, that has happened, but just to have experienced and having come to France and just experiencing the culture and the language and just meeting so many great guys. That's, it's been absolutely amazing. It's been 15 years, hasn't it? Since you first moved over. So uh, I say it's only been a few days since Friday, but has it sunk in yet? Cause it's, it was a big call to move over to France at that stage. You said you, you had no kind of, rugby at this level until you moved over and then it's been a hell of a success hasn't it yeah i mean i think my, my wife asked me yesterday has it really sunk in yet that you that you finished i'm like i don't really think so because at the moment you're still kind of at the club and you're still with the boys and you're still in the whatsapp chat groups and all those type of things but i think once you quit those groups and and the guys start getting to training again i think that's where it's really going to sink and you like realize ah oh, goodness me it's like oh you know, it's, it's kind of finished now. But I mean, yeah, it's just 14 years goes by and the think of it now, it goes by so quickly. I mean, you two guys can can vouch for that. It goes by so, so quickly and you don't really want it to end. But I mean, everybody goes through it. It's going to happen to everyone. So you have to be ready for it. So what's, what's the next step? You mentioned earlier off air, you're talking about an MBA and stuff. My dad has been very influential in my in my life, obviously, but obviously in my, in my sporting career too, because he also played rugby and he played um, in Marmond. In late 70s so um he's always been he just fell in love with the french culture when he was over here for five or six months uh, in, the, in late 70s and and the language and like i think france is probably like his second team so i remember in, in the 80s yeah 90s when you watched the five nations he used to have his beret on and smoke his pipe and behind me blue and it was pretty cool but um yeah so he's always been kind of installed into me studies is very important so straight out of school i went to study and then 
I came to France, took a bit of a break, and then I started studying again um, with Provol and, and Toulouse Business School, and, and I did my master's. And I think, obviously, it's important to prepare for the future. And, and I think the, like, the logical step for, for me was to do an MBA, and that's, that was my dream, my objective. So I've been working towards that, and I applied to HEC, which is here in Paris, um, to, do, to do an MBA, and I got accepted, which is, which is pretty cool. So it's a huge privilege. But um, it's nice to be accepted, but now the hard work starts. I mean, it's going to be <laughs> years of tough work and lot, lots of long hours and a change of scenery, but I'm, I must say I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And do you want to do something completely different now then, or you, do you want to stay in, involved in rugby? Straight away, I think the NBA is going to be the most important because it's going to take a lot of my time and a lot of effort. And so I think at the moment, that's probably going to be the, the, the main objective. Uh, but I mean, I've always been so passionate about rugby. I've, it's something that I've loved since I was a little boy. So, I mean, I've got two small, small boys as well. He's, he's turning seven and five, the, the two boys. So they love rugby too. So, I mean, I will always be there for them and help them. And, and who knows, one day just get back into training or coaching or something. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm never closed. I'm, I'll never close the door for coaching. So but playing is definitely done because all the French press has been saying that you have to go and sign with the Ficou brothers down in La Seine-sur-Mer, which is a little club next to Toulon. That's definitely not happening. You're definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely done. I mean, it's, we, I was in discussions with them and, and there was an opportunity to go down there. But I mean, like I said, for me at the moment, like the NBA is very important. It would have been difficult for me to move my whole family and be away from home so, so often because obviously I have to be present for my, for my NBA classes. So um, obviously, the transitional phase from you guys would, would, would know that the transitional phase from, from being a professional rugby player to, to retiring and kind of not going to say having nothing, but having to kind of re, reinvent yourself and find yourself. It's, I think it's not always an easy one. So I think it's, it's, it's important to kind of make it as soft as possible and make the landing as soft as possible. And, and I think um, if, if we had to move and uh, to move my whole family would have been, for my family would have been very, very complicated. So, so we, we decided to stay in Paris and, um, like I said, the NBA is going gonna, gonna <laughs> to be the priority. Judging by the stress that's etched on Benji's face every week in Oxford, it's not <laughs> easy doing an NBA. You got, you got some tips for Anthony, Benji? Make sure you keep those, some of those special vitamins that racing gave you from time to time. You're going to need every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of your career highlights, then looking back, we'll, we'll give you a chance to reflect now. Um, you obviously won the top four team with Rasting and Cast. But was that one with Cast against Toulon in, in 2013? Was that a particular highlight? Because no one really gave you guys a chance, did they? And it was the first title for the club in, in 20 years, I think. Yeah, I think I think Benji, you can you can vouch for that as well. I think your first one is always very special. I think if I think about it now and if I look back at it, I mean the year before I was at Brieve and we were relegated to 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 Port de Deux. And I went. I decided very early on in the season I was going to go to Cast. So they had a team that was very solid. I mean, I, I went to repla- replace Christmas. So you went to Toulon at that time. So I went there kind of without any pressure. I just felt like yo, I could actually that weight off my shoulders. Of sometimes I briefed that I felt of being captain and leader of the team. And and I must say we had one hell of a squad and team that year. It was just like the team spirit and the team was absolutely amazing. And um, just I think obviously we were the underdogs and nobody gave us a chance of actually beating the. The superstars of Toulon, and, and on the day we were just we were just on it the, the whole, for 80 minutes long, and it was absolutely amazing. So, I think that whole 2012 to 2013 season for me was was very special. So, yeah, it was that was a good memory. I must say, but obviously you can't take away the 2016 racing Toulon and Barcelona as well with 14 men um, in Barcelona in front of 100,000 people. It's you, you, it's amazing. And Johnny Anthony mentioned that he replaced Chris Marcelle. 
you replaced Anthony, didn't you, and Cass? I did. He left as champion, and then I arrived, and we finished 12th, which I think <laughs> shows the quality of the two players right there. We need to go no further. <laughs> now, I think they were still so hungover that year. They enjoyed the party so much that we struggled. We never really got started that year that I arrived. But, geez, like you said, it's some place, though. It's a great little rugby town, great community. They absolutely love it, get right behind it. A real mix of farmers and locals supporting their club. Um, and it's probably the most fun I've had at a rugby club because there's nothing else to do. It's so isolated that every single weekend you're having a barbecue with the boys, a couple of drinks, families all mixing together. It's, it's probably the best club in terms of mixing and social aspect that I experienced in France. I absolutely love my time at Cast, even though the rugby wasn't that great at that particular time. That's where like the, the whole family type of environment was created and the guys spent so much time together that you kind of knew your, your, your mates alongside you, like in and out, basically. So... And that's that's why I said the team spirit we had for those two years was absolutely amazing. Like, especially there after we were champion, we also struggled coming into the new season. Obviously, you got like a bit of a um, champion hangover, and you see yourself maybe greater as what you are, better, better, better as what you than what you are. And so we also struggled getting into the season. But after a while, things just started clicking again. The guys started finding their feet, and we obviously played the final again the next year, which we lost. But I mean, still, it's still a feature played two finals in a row, especially for a small town such as Cast. It was when you were at Cast that you were first picked for the French national team as well. So, what after having come over at such a young age, your dad having had that relationship with the country in the seventies as well, which is quite strange. What was it like initially to be picked up for the French national team as a South African living over here? It must have been incredible. Yeah, I must say it was absolutely amazing. I think one stage, I think Mark Livermore, you see, he's like. I think it was a bit of a misunderstanding, but they just asked him, who who would you want to pick or who do you kind of appreciate as a player? And they mentioned my name, but at that, that stage, I think, I don't know, I wasn't ready yet. I was still too young. And then I just kind of thought, it's never going to happen. It's the way it is. And obviously being a foreigner and foreigner and, and France coming and arriving like this. And, and I was just enjoying my time in France. And I remember um, um, I was on the couch, probably <laughs> trying to catch up on some sleep that I lost the, <laughs> the previous weekend and uh, Monday morning and, I got this phone call. I'm like, yo, who's this number? And it's Philippe and Andre. He phoned me. He's like, and he started speaking English. I'm like, stop speaking English. Speaking French. And he's like, are you ready for the French? Uh, for the English? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. He said, well, congratulations, you've been picked. So, yeah, that was amazing. I straight away phoned my dad, and yeah, it was a special moment between me and my dad. Very emotional. It was, it was very, very cool. And you were there, weren't you, Benji, for Anthony's first cap? I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, uh, Anthony and I have got a good mate in 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 common, Gerard Voslo, who was sort of a little bit of Anthony's, not mentor, but like big brother type of of mate when they played in the, in the back row combination of brief together. Um, and so obviously when Gerard came to Clermont with me, Anto would come from time to time and stuff. So I was I was delighted to help. He doesn't need any help with translation. His French has always been fantastic, but it was just a bit of a secure moment. Sometimes time we would speak English together. So, you know, to like, oh, give me the ins and outs. So what should I do? What shouldn't I do? Because he wanted to fit in. He wanted to do things properly. He wanted to uh, to make sure that he was showing, you know, the, the best side of him. Because the French team at the time was a very, was in transition sort of type of group. There was the old fellas that were gone with all the generation, but there's also a modern type of rugby that was coming in. There was quite a fair few... Um, non-French born that were coming in and, and we were definitely trying to find our feet. So everything was a little bit up in the air. And I remember, I mean, you, you could, you'll speak about it onto if you want, but 
the, the, the initiation ceremony was absolutely hilarious because we, we come this thing where every new guy that comes to camp needs to do an initiation. It's good because it was after my first camp. I had to do nothing. There's like a little speech or a joke that you need to do. It was awesome. And then after that, it was like a proper thing. Sing a song, imitate somebody, tell a story, do a trick, whatever you want. And, I, and Anto was super keen. He was like, so tell me, no, not super keen, but wanted to make sure that he showed that he's, he's put an effort, right, for the team. That he wanted to do it proud. And so I was like, what should I do? I, was like, I don't know, sing a song, do a sketch, whatever. And then it was a sketch. And I remember Otto, you rocked up, dressed up as a female tennis player. And you rock up and you, you, you throw yourself on the floor, which is carpeted the floor in the, in the, in the dining room table. And then you start imita imitating whatever, a, a tennis match. And we were all laughing, whatever, whatever. Or with ping pong. I don't know. I can't remember what you were doing. And at the end, you leave and everybody's laughing. And you look at me and I was like, oh, are you okay? And you're like, shit. I said, well, what's wrong? Are you pissed off? Like, no, 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 I burned my knees. And I looked at both your <laughs> knees. He had, he had big red plaques on there, but he, he burned them to the to blood whilst he just slid on that carpet floor at first, but then didn't say anything and kept on doing his sketch or his imitation. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> and I remember laughing because I was thinking, oh, no, come on, you're not pissed off about what you've done. It was good. He's like, no, no, I just burned my knees, mate. Look, look at this, the state of me. <laughs> yeah, look, that was that was very, very stressful. I think it was it was always nice having been over there because it's like a familiar face that I kind of, that I kind of knew and if i wanted to know something i, I could always like you know knock on his door just go ask him for some advice and stuff because he's been there for a while and i think when you said it it's, it was a transitional phase for for the french team at the time and it was it was pretty difficult because it kind of felt sometimes that like thinking back in the night you, you couldn't really express yourself as a player and try and do things because you knew that if you didn't play well that weekend or if you tried something and then come off then you're definitely not going to be there the next week and that's what made it sometimes so difficult to kind of be the player that you all express yourself. So it's um, it was a transitional phase, but um, that, that sketch was it was so stressful. I think because I just I didn't know what to do. I was like, what can I do? And I saw this, you know, Djokovic is always imitating people. I just thought, well, that's pretty funny. He was imitating, I think, Anna Kornikova at one stage. I don't know what it was. So I just kind of got like a short skirt, or I just put a towel around my around my waist, a short skirt, and everything as a female tennis player and did all the shouting and screaming, got some ping pong balls. And I, I think I can't even remember. I hit somebody in the face and that kind of went down well. But as well, like you said, I burnt my knees. So oh, that was so stressful, but I was glad it was done afterwards. That was for sure. That's commitment. That is going through carpet burns for the cause. Explaining <laughs> the carpet burns when you get home to your missus yeah. as well. She's like, what, what have you been doing? <laughs> no, no, just my initiation with the French team, honestly. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And over the course of 15 years, I imagine the, the coaching, the professionalism in French rugby has come a long way. You spent most of that time, the last 14, 15 years, playing under Lauren Trevet, haven't you? And we, we spoke about him a bit earlier on the show. What's he like to play for? Is he, is he very different to the kind of stereotype that most people have about French coaches? Yeah, I think because we've, we've been together for so long and I've played under, under, underneath for so long. I think I've haven't had many coaches except for some at, at Brieve, Hugo Muller was there, and then at Cast. Uh, yeah, so they were basically the whole time. So he's very organized, and he wants to make sure everything works according to plan. So he doesn't want anything coming from the exterior or the outside, coming, like, um, throwing things around. And he wants, he, he likes everything being organized, well-organized, and then everybody knows their roles. So, I mean, he's very professional that way. So I think that's why racing has been doing so well over the past couple of years and kind of playing playoffs all the time because it's, it is a very professional setup and, and, and everybody is expected to know their roles and, and know it off by heart and exactly. So, so yeah, it's, um, we haven't, it's, it's a pity that we haven't kind of 
made that step and won more finals and more championships. But um, yeah, he's 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 a very good coach, and and, and like sometimes the, the details to him is very important. So yeah. And to take us back to that semi, uh, we saw at halftime him going nuts, saying, "Look, occupation, so territory, second half, change things around." Obviously, it didn't quite go to plan. You talked about the physicality, but there must have been a frustration as well with the lack of fuel position, the ability to get out of your own twenty-two and just be part of the game. Well, I think if if you look at um, was us, I was at the warm-up and I told who I told I told Mike Mike Pendergast um, before the game. I like this, name, Mike. Having just having a look at the warm-ups, where they're kicking they're kicking the ball in the kickoffs, they're kicking it deep onto the five meters close to the touchline. Don't you want us just to? pass the ball and then just kick it out straight away because, I mean, we're going to be under a lot of pressure and especially with the physicality and they're going to try to keep us in our own half. And so, yeah, we got caught a little bit caught in our own half and, and we maybe try to play a little bit too much, especially in the first half. And, uh, yeah, that, that probably cost, cost us and we left a lot of energy out on the field in the first half. And, uh, um, like I said, with the team being so physical as as, as La Rochelle, it's difficult to, to come back. And if you're not in the... Playing in their half, you've got to go like skeleton. When we got into the half, every single time we had our planned moves or our planned starting moves that we wanted to do, skeleton would just come and just destroy everything. So there was there was no way for us to actually just get off, get on the front foot and try and to get into the game. So it was it's it was very very difficult. Uh, yeah, it's one of those one of those games. Hopefully they can they can learn from it um, for the future because I think it's it's about time they start winning some some trophies again. We were talking just before you came on about some of the young kids that are there. So Baptiste Chouzenou, who I played with uh, Bayon, uh, Tanga, Diallo, uh, and obviously now retiring. You've seen all these young kids come through the sort of academy process line that's churning them out. And obviously they will learn these lessons and go on to win things for Racing 92 in the years to come. But what do you make? You've obviously had a big role as an elder statesman now, as we cruelly put it, in helping these young kids like Diallo, Tanga, Chouzenou coming through. What do you make of the next crop that's coming through, the new generation at Racing? Yeah, I think it's very positive, especially for racing for for the next couple of years. They've they've got a very very young side at the moment. Um, obviously, a little little lack of experience at, in certain places, but I mean that would come with time. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully they would have learned from, especially from the loss in the, in the Champions Cup against um, Exeter that we just lost, which uh, is we gutted about that. And then obviously the second, the other Champions Cup we lost against Bordeaux, and then our semi final again. So in professional rugby or professional sports, but especially in rugby, if you don't adapt, if you don't learn as quick as possible, you're never going to make it. So that's why the guys, especially those young guys, they would have to be, have to be able to adapt and learn as quick as possible, not to make the same mistakes and maybe to learn to work under the pressure and plan under the pressure because uh, it happens so quickly. Games go by so fast and it's sometimes a split-second decisions which can win or lose a game for you. So um, there's so much talent in racing. It is absolutely ridiculous. So it's um, it's it's a way they have to nurture them and, and obviously hopefully for the future not just for racing, but but for the French team too, that they can they can be very, they can have a long career at racing, but for for the French team too. Well, I'm sure they've learned a hell of a lot from you, Anthony, and um, commiserations on the result of the weekend. But congratulations on a a, a long and great career in France, and um, good luck with the NBA. Benji will tell you, hard work. Look at his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're gonna smash it. You're gonna smash it. Just keep that energy. Keep the the the. I think I can't remember who was that kept on um, giving you the nickname of Le Petit Caniche, the, the 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 little little boy. It was it was half was the haircut, but half I'm sure was just that contagious energy that you constantly have about doing a million things at a time and just keep on using that drive. Keep a big smile on your face. I think you'll realize in a couple of months that you can be very proud of what you've done in rugby and the next step is just going to be cruise. So go well, mate. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. It's probably only going to sink in after a couple of months time, but I miss it. It's, um, 
yeah, it's it's life. It's the way it is. Um, I'll probably look back at it in a couple of months' time and kind of realize what what was achieved and what was done. But um, have keep those fond memories and um over the the past fourteen years. Yeah. Congratulations, Anthony. Thanks ever so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Mate, he's a top boy. He's a top top boy. He didn't even mention that he, him, and Gerard Vosto actually played for the French Babas also. And that's also that's another recognition of how good a bloke he is, how well integrated he was. His French is spot on. Like he did, you obviously didn't hear it today, but he speaks absolutely perfectly. So he, you know, when you when you become captain of a club like Breve, when you go into the French team, you fit in well. When you're well respected, when you play for the French Barbas, it, it it it's, it's a different angle. It's the conversation that we us three have every single week of who's made it in France and why. And who hasn't when you when you're a foreigner from from the get go? So I think he's, he's he's he'll always be South African in his heart, but he feels dual nationality and whatever. Very proud to be French, and he's 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 done really well. And I'm actually I didn't know about his MBA. I think it's it's oh, I'm not going to say it's a shit choice. It's a great idea, but I saw him see I see him fit <laughs> into the curiosity of trying something and and keeping at it. And I'm sure he's going to do great. Let's have a look ahead to the top fourteen final then. Toulouse beat Bordeaux in the semi-final and La Rochelle in the final in the Champions Cup this season. Are we going to see the same in the top 14 or do you see La Rochelle getting a bit of revenge? My deep, deep feeling is that La Rochelle are going to do it. I just feel that Toulouse, unfortunately, are, is, is almost going to be unfair, but they're completely au bout du rouleau. Explain that one. I don't know. At the end of the, the role. <laughs> you know, uh, they've got nothing left in the tank. I think they had an extraordinary season, but with guys also that were very much uh, implicated in the Six Nations, you know, so they had key guys who had to play 80 minutes week in, week out. Cyril Bay, Julien Marchand, uh, Francois Cross is a different sort of uh, angle, obviously Antoine Dupont and, and his mate uh, Entamac. So they really were over overused. They were almost overstretched to play La Rochelle in the Champions Cup final. There's been a red card against Livani Botia without a red card. Well, it would have been different. I don't know, but it would have been even tighter. Um, and I just feel that this time is just a, that a little bit too much. The freshness of La Rochelle, the impact, the power, the drive, the anger, because they look angry. Revenge. You know, revenge. it's revenge. They want to finish hard. So I just feel it's no, no, definitely not going to be a one-sided game. Obviously not. La, Toulouse are too good for that. But I just just see them, uh, depending on 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 maybe the the if there's guys that come back in the second row and well, Roman Tamak definitely won't. But can Zakoms play? I'm not even sure. He hasn't played for nearly two months. Is the so, so you're more likely to bring Ramos into ten, and if you got Medard back, you stick him back at fullback or, or yeah. somebody else. But if Zach hasn't played as much as we'd love to see Zach, it's the fact that he hasn't had that game time. Um, but I don't. I almost agree with you. Like Toulouse, I was going to say, sort of running out of fumes. Like you could see, mm. we're running on fumes now, but you could see at the end of the game, Ugo Mola like singling out Jerome Kano in the huddle and saying, Jerome, one more week. Like you've got one more week. And so for me, it's, I think at this stage, in terms of the players you can get on the pitch and how well organized they are and the sort of different motivators, it's tight, man. Like you look at Toulouse, I still don't think they're going to have anybody fit in second row. Um, Rory Arnold went off. Again, Richie Arnold still injured. Joe Takori, will he pass a fitness test? We still don't know. So you've got Jerome Kano as the only available second row. Like Thibaut Flamel came off the bench. Um, it's just a different context. Like, so Toulouse, the emotional drivers, Jerome Kano's last game, they're also going for a treble. So they've, they've won the Champions Cup. They've won the youth competitions, the S-Bar competition. They're now going for the top 14 for another brand. Like, 
That's incredible to be. And to technically, be, it would be back to back bonus, right? To be exactly so to be heading for that is huge. Like uh, people, I, I, I get it; they're going to be absolutely wrecked. But if you're going to drag a performance out yourself emotionally because there's one performance you need to give, it's this week. In saying that, I've just been so impressed by La Rochelle, and I wished that they would have kept 15 men on the on the field, and we'd seen Botia playing in that game. And again, just to complete a different journey, to have come from Pro Deux to be aiming for their first Brennus, I think it'd be even share and even spoils if La Rochelle take this one. They've, they've been so good, so good to watch both sides, one and two, the whole way through the season. The best rugby by far the two clubs play. Um, and a part, a part of me wants to see Jerome Kano finish with that status because it would just be phenomenal for him to have that finish. But I think as a sort of collective, La Rochelle have just been, like you said, Benji, they've got that revenge factor. They've got something else to fight for. It's the first major step in their history as a club. Um, and I could see them sneaking it as well in Paris But this weekend. Every time I sort of predicted a Toulouse slipping up, even with a rotated team, even out of their breath, they always put it out of the bag and that's how good they are this year. Yeah. On a side note, um, I didn't. I, I have to confess, I didn't really watch the the, the Toulouse-Bordeaux uh, game because I, I was in Cardiff and I commentated on for BBC on the England-France on the 20s. There was seven guys from Toulouse, I think, in the other 20s of those guys who won the Espoirs competition. There's some quality absolutely everywhere. So they're always capable within the academy, within their the depth of their squad of pulling out this guy, this Thibaut Flamand, this Uyut, whatever. It's 18 minutes of rugby. And you just don't know what can happen given how how much have they got this 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 winning attitude about them. But I do agree, Johnny. Is I, I see La Rochelle just sneaking it. Um, they both teams deserve it. It would just be beautiful for for La Rochelle and John Gibbs last game to see them sneak that one. That would be one hell of a party in the Charente Maritime for the whole summer. Wowzers. <laughs> one pint for most of the team, two pints for John Gibbs in that party. Not two, mate. I think you'll go 12 <laughs> by 12 this time. He's, he's going to break a new record. I think he's going he's gonna to put 25 kgs on something. Oh my word. And aside from how stretched Toulouse are and how many injuries they've had recently, the matchup itself, obviously this is the fourth meeting between the two this season. Toulouse have won all of the previous three. I think they've won seven of the last eight games between the two sides. So they've obviously had the edge over La Rochelle historically in recent years. So what do La Rochelle need to do in terms of their approach? Is it just more of the same or do they need to do something slightly differently to get the edge this time? I know in knowing Jono, he's going to dissect even more. He probably actually... It would be interesting, well, we can reach out to a La Rochelle guy to know. I would be surprised, knowing Jono, if they reviewed at all the Champions Cup final. Because he's smart enough to say, listen, it's a different type of rugby. And even if it's Toulouse-La Rochelle, it is Champions Cup rugby, it's refed by an Englishman. It, it isn't wicked him for the symbolic or whatever, but it is, it is different type of rugby. And he's so aware now how top 14 is a different beast. Now, he probably didn't even debrief it and just move on, go to the next one. Let's refocus straight away rather than, you know, sort of play with your mind and do mind tricks for the whole time and start um, seeing dark thoughts. And I reckon he's going to pull that game out now and focus absolutely on the 18 minutes what happened. They were not far. Remember that final play where they could have scored, should have scored, whatever. They were really not far. I think they realized that when they play, When they keep ball retention, they can be very, very deadly. They need to be patient, they need to be disciplined in their attack, and they need to stop to be so focused on their scrum. I reckon their scrum will, and their line-out platform and driving mode will seriously put Toulouse under threat. But 
If you remember the Champions Cup final, they had those multiple amount of scrums five meters out, chucked it to Levani Botia, penalty, 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 and asked for scrum again. It was under the fleek, flipping sticks. Take the points, go again. And that's discipline of strategy. So I reckon it will be Jono's attitude to be like, and obviously the red card against Botia, boy, we, we've spoken about it enough. But it's going to be stay disciplined in defense, stay dif disciplined in the attacking strategy, and stay di disciplined in the sense that you have to because it's going to be a tight margin game, you have to score at every opportunity. Don't get too greedy. Don't get overexcited. Just take the points when they come. I think as well, they'll really have a look at that game from the weekend. They'll look at that Toulouse-Bordeaux game and they'll copycat Christophe Urios's strategy. Like Again, ultra pragmatic. Like you said, take chances when they present themselves. It's almost test match rugby. This is the way to look at it. This isn't regular top 14, you know, game number four. This is the final. This is test match rugby. How do you control territory? How do you bully to lose? Like if you look at that game at the weekend, how many times did we see Cheslin and Colby or Matisse Labelle touch the ball? The answer is practically zero because they kicked, they pressed, they squeezed, they constricted them, gave them no time or space on the ball and forced them to play from deep. And, and I think if you're going to beat to lose, you have to do that well. You have to win that kick chase battle. And like we said, like determined discipline set piece has to be massive. And then when you get a chance, you have to take your, take your points. So look, I think on the... The evidence that we saw this weekend of how La Rochelle played, they're absolutely capable of doing this against Toulouse, but it's going to be incredibly tight. And just finally, before we go, as bizarre as it is, before we've had the top 14 final, an inexperienced France squad jetted off on Monday to Australia. And there are 23 uncapped players in there, including Perpignan fullback Melvin Gemini, who's never played above Pro de Deux. He's class. Uh, we've spoken about him, haven't we? A, yeah. a prospect, a hell of a prospect. Um, He's in there. I'm sure he's one we've we've spoken about and we'll speak about again in future. Any other names that you're you're excited about? I don't know. Joris Second, the fly half for Stade Francais, who's in a kicking machine. Not not the most uh, adventurous uh, number 10. And to be honest, with the three guys that are ahead of him, it's going to be complicated, but it's good to see them rewarded. Uh, Diallo, that back row for he's racing, who's just, who is a very, very um, big feature. I, I'm actually pretty excited, just sim plain and simply, to see Anthony Jolonge being, uh, or Jolon, sorry, to be a captain of the French team. It's good to see some guys putting their hand up, uh, being strong, being good, and playing. And just a final mention, because I think he's done an incredible season and we never spoke about him, but wow, did he go through a lot of work. It's the tight head for Clermont, Cipilli Falatea. So I played with him for three years, but every Tuesday, I thought he was going to crumble and die because every scrummaging session, I thought we were going to lose him. Um, he was bending in ways that should have not happened to a human body. <laughs> and I really thought we were going to snap him. It was that bad. But he just stuck into it, stuck. And he's a good boy, good kid, a bit of a dancing machine who's always put, puts a smile on everybody's faces. Fantastic in the loose. Very, very powerful, very dynamic, great hands. But then a tight head uh, prop who can't scrummage is complicated. Definitely not a problem of strength. Strong as a freaking mountain. But then it was just that, that scrummaging attitude. And this year, it's finally clicked. And it's funny how you always say, you know, front rowers, they're late to mature and blah, blah, blah. That's what it is. Scrummaging is about getting absolutely piled for a number of times. And then you actually realize how it works. And he's played a great season putting uh, Rabas Limani on the bench, uh, really converting his big opportunities. Since January, he's got basically the number three jersey. And to see him called up there in the French team is fantastic. In a position where there really aren't that many guys, He's not uh, Daniela Tupu, you know, the Tongan Thor, whatever his name is, uh, yeah. Australia, yet, but he's almost like that. 
He's that powerful and that electric. So he could really bring something special. I was going to say Ibu Diallo at um, Racing 92. He's been exceptional. The other two that I'm really looking forward to watching are Gaetan Barlow, the hooker at Cast. I'm not sure much you've seen of him, but just, again, electric, demand, uh, dynamic, and good fun to watch. Like It's rare that we say that about hookers. There's Benji Kayser and there's Gaetan Barlow, so two that I've enjoyed watching. And the other 10, like you mentioned, Yuri Seconds, I actually really enjoy watching Antoine Astoy. Mm, the guy Paul. at Poe, who, who was rumored to be going to Montpellier, but Poe stayed up. He's staying there. I've really enjoyed watching him as a 10 as well. Really exciting to watch. The kind of opposite of Yori Seconds. You know, great hands, good technical ability, great passing, uh, and, and decent decision maker. So looking forward to seeing him take that next step up too. Like loads of youngsters getting a chance, which is awesome. And also Makalu, just because I want to see him get a string of games and cause utter carnage in Australia. I think that'd be class. So yeah, loads of new guys, loads of talent. And that's what summer tours are about, right? Bleeding you guys, seeing what's happening for the next Six Nations, next World Cup, who's going to stake a claim. We look forward to seeing how they go. And first, the bigger deal of the top 14 final at the weekend. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. A big thanks to all of you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. And we will be back with another episode next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. See you, fellas. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.